When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mark. And this episode made me think a lot. I like Steely Dan, but the band and their music has always been a bit mysterious to me. Apparently, it has also intrigued my guests. I'm joined by Jason Thompson of Vast Robot Armies, Jordan Zetorozny of Blinker the Star, and Paul Malinowski and Jason Gherkin from Shiner. If you're not familiar with the Steely Dan approach to music, it's different than your typical way of making music. Each of my guests has experienced this in the studio as part of a live band or both. Not only do they pull back the curtain on how Steely Dan worked, they also talk about how that has influenced some of the work they've done on their own. And Gherkin gives us a tour story like none I've ever heard. And speaking of their own work, check out what each guy is up to now. Paul and Jason are working on new Shiner music, among other things. Jordan is set to release a new Blinker the Star album called Animal Math, and Vast Robot Armies has just released their latest album, The What Gallery. Check them all out on Bandcamp. On Instagram, check out at ShinerKC, at Blinker the Star, at Vast Robot Armies, and at Performance ANX. And you can support the podcast with coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety or merch at performanceanx.threadless.com. So let's learn a little about Steely Dan on performance anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm good. So, all right. So we're still waiting for Jason and Jordan. Yeah. All I right. just nudged Jordan. He's probably making tea. He's got to get his tea. And he's going to walk across the big room into the room, the other room, <laughs> with his tea and turn on his computer. I've seen it. I've seen it many times. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. I don't see it until he's on the computer. I know. Ever. I see you got a big jug or something. What's that? Look at that. Clyde Mays. I just killed it. Oh. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I've, I got my other bottle here ready to go. Oh, right. <laughs> so, I got my, I got my uh, Evan Williams here. So, oh, nice. Uh, nice. So, uh, what's up? It's like the fucking Brady Bunch here. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> exactly. It. Oh, oh man. squares. Cheers, well, man. It's that time Cheers. of the evening. Actually, it is. Yes, it is. Spaghetti and Vietti Provaco. <laughs> All right. Well, this is the first time for me having Paul and Jason on. So thank you guys for doing this. This is actually Jason's, uh, Jason Thompson's idea to get everybody together. I think this is shameless self-promotion is what they call this. Yeah, it's totally what it is. All right, well, cool. Beautiful. So we kind of had the idea of, and this is an idea I've, I've had for a little while. And, and Jason and I having a little discussion kind of spurred this on. I'm not super familiar with Steely Dan, 
but I'm fascinated by them because of what I, I guess the, the Steely Dan effect of having two main people in a band and then a rotating cast of people in the studio and live. Jason, I talked a little bit about this. And so uh, he recommended you guys to come on and, and we can kind of talk about being in the Steely Dan effect on in, from whatever angle you've experienced it, you know, either being the creative force and getting people around you or being one of the people that comes around a creative force. So right. not really even really sure how to start this one. So what I'll do, well, let me wait, say that again. okay take two so what i thought i would do is break this open with a little steely dan trivia because in trying to figure out questions and, and and ways to get my point across i decided to look into the history of the band a bit so Jason came up with with some trivia questions and not only the trivia questions, but some f- interesting information. And, and I found I have, some I have some rants is what I have. But OK, yeah. so so Jason has rants. I have interesting facts. Yeah. So and Jason, as long as you don't mind, I will go through everything that you and I have put together here. So it's only a few points, but kind of interesting. So they were first hired as staff songwriters for ABC Records at the ages of 21 and 23. I don't know which one was which. Jason, which one was 20? You know, which one was, uh, was older? Becker was older. Okay. So they met each other in Brooklyn. I think Becker was playing guitar and Fagan was walking around and heard him. And they said, hey, we should start a band. So they started playing in, in stable bands without rotating people in it. And one of their pre-Steely Dan bands they were in together was called Leather Canary with world-renowned drummer Chevy Chase. So I thought that was kind of that was kind of funny. I didn't I had no idea until looking at this up looking this up that he was a drummer. Becker and Fagan also toured with Jay and the Americans in the late 60s. And they retired from touring in 74, basically 3 years after starting, but continued putting out albums. They just didn't tour, which to me, especially in the 70s, is sounds completely the opposite of what most bands were doing. You know, you had bands that were putting out huge shows, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, you know, they were putting out these enormous shows and these, these guys are like, nah, we're not touring. We're just going to put out studio albums. So that's the kind of thing that's fascinating to me. Is this weird? Now, weren't they, weren't they jingle writers? Yeah. Yes. Allow me to interject a bit here and use this as an opportunity. Interject away. So imagine this scenario. Imagine this scenario where you're staff writers at 2123. And then you're like, yeah, it's kind of fun. We did that. Let's make a band, which is what they did. Then they did three years of the band thing. And they're like, you know, fuck it. I don't want to tour at 23 and 25. Then they had this huge, immense career spanning like two decades. So it's like, I, I heard that. It's like, imagine I was just talking to Paul about this. It's like, imagine you being your 25 year old self going, yeah, fuck it. I'm just gonna just gonna write stuff inside and get all these like really pro guys to kind of fill in the gaps for me. Twenty three, yeah. twenty five. Yeah. yeah, but they would get other guys that were fucking you know. Yeah. So to me, that's kind of interesting. And then when you kind of go down the rabbit hole, you start realizing that there's a lot more than you think. Obviously, but, you know, there's an argument to me that Kiss is fucking Steely Dan of metal. 
if you look at like all the players that were on them, Anton Fig, fucking just their prompted like second generation players that they had themselves. They're numerous. Half the Creatures of the Night album was written by like ghost guitarist Brian Adams was one of the guys on it kind of thing. Like really, yeah. Well, Brian Aerosmith Adams was the like same way. I feel like songs. I'm about to learn a bunch of shit right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, if we're going to stay on metal, fucking Warrant, check this story out. So Warrant comes out. Everyone remember Warrant? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Down Boys, whatnot. So they put this band together, and Jenny Lane was the talent, obviously, but they go into the studio, and they're recording solos, and the two lead guitarists are playing, and the producer's like, yeah. So I know a guy. His name's Mike Slammer. So, of course, his name's Mike Slammer. <laughs> he goes in and fucking does half of the record solos and a bunch of rhythm shit. And then the next record, they don't even play guitar anymore. So it kind of went in reverse. They didn't get better. They just got worse and got more replaced as it went kind of thing. Yet they were always in the band kind of thing. Well, didn't Aerosmith do something similar where it, like in the starting in like the eighties, they just didn't even write their own material. They didn't play half the stuff in, in the studio and then they didn't even write their material anymore. No, they played it, but they brought in co-writers. I, yeah, like Des, yeah. Desmond Child, I know, wrote like some of their big stuff. I thought, yeah. but I thought Joe Perry didn't even like do the solos on like some of their most famous songs. Like they had Steve Hunter come in and do a whole bunch of them. I heard a rumor that uh, Joe Perry couldn't even read. I don't like, think that's a rumor. No, like read books. Like I don't. Oh, I, I know. Like I, literature. Yes, like words. <laughs> I've I've heard that as well. It was about the same time as the Elton John rumor that was going around. You know the one. Uh oh. No, tell us, Jason. Yes, no, tell us, Jason. <laughs> no, that's not going to. This is a family podcast. No, it's not. <laughs> is it? You obviously have never heard this podcast before. Fuck. <laughs> oh. No. How dare you? You sent me a postcard, Jason Gherkin. Which one did I send? Uh, I don't know. It was right after you were on Third Gear Scratch, and you're like, hey, reach out to me and give me your address. I'll send you a postcard. So I did. Yeah. I sent like 250 postcards after that. No, uh, yeah, but you probably just remember. You probably remember mine specifically. I, you know what? I might. I wrote an, every one of them. <laughs> What's that like? You're writing in such a small, contained area. I imagine by 50, you'd be really annoyed with that. No, it, no, it was like I love dicks and shit. I was like, one <laughs> all right, that that may have been the one you sent me. <laughs> You don't have a frame? I sent I, them in individual envelopes so that they wouldn't get damaged in case you wanted to frame it. You did. Wow. It's actually upstairs in my room right now. It's in my bedroom <laughs> with my wife. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Before you skip over this ad, give me one minute. Like most podcasts, I pick sponsors carefully and I use the products that advertise here. Pure Spectrum CBD is a product that has been really beneficial for me. They have a wide variety of great products that can be used on a daily or as needed basis. I've been using the tincture every day and it's been wonderful for easing anxiety. And I absolutely love the isolate. I use it instead of acetaminophen or ibuprofen. And it's worked so well for the relief of aches and pains. They also have soaks, lotions, salves, gummies, and more. Plus, an entire line for fitness recovery. They even have products for your pets. See everything they offer at PureSpectrumCBD.com. And if you have questions, they're there to help. They helped me when I had no idea where to start. After you fill your cart, use code PERFORMANCEANX for 15% off your purchase. Pure Spectrum CBD. Pure Spectrum CBD, Pure Spectrum CBD. Right now. Wow. <laughs> okay, next. Okay. Next. <laughs> so, <laughs> so out of you guys, and all right, so Jordan really surprisingly hasn't said anything yet. So let's let's get Jordan into this conversation here because I kind of feel like maybe you've been on both sides of this with Blinker and and you know and writing for other people, but also doing Blinker and bringing in some other people for touring or, or maybe filling in some gaps in the studio. What are the like advantages and some disadvantages to this approach to creating a band, uh, you know, having one or two stable people and just bringing in other people to, as you need them? Well, it's, um, if you have access to the right musicians and you kind of have a vision of what you want to do, but want to remain surprised in you know, the performances, it's a really fun way to work. It's obviously more expensive and more time intensive to do it that way. But when I got around to doing the third Blink of the Star record, we had enough of a budget and sort of a vision of like this kind of like widescreen kind of pop record. And the producer, Ken Andrews, he and I, we were kind of like Steely Dan. He's not in the band, but he was the main creative partner of the album. So it was basically the two of us, you know, sitting at the desk, very much like Steely Dan. And I kind of like fired, like I, I was someone who had grown up like playing all the instruments. And that's kind of where I am again now in, in my record making. But at that point, I had access in Los Angeles and with a budget 
to, you know, bring in some pretty interesting people to, you know, flavor and color the music. And I was really gung-ho to do that. You know, the Steely Dan imprint, you know, the, the blueprint of Steely Dan and that way of making records was already, I had already sort of like studied that and wanted to do that. So we got pretty close to that kind of record making, I would say on that record. And at one point during mixing, we realized that on one song, which was pretty pictures, there were three separate bass players. And I said, Ken, this is pretty decadent. I mean, this is like Steely Dan. So we kind of turned into Steely Dan, haven't we? And he agreed and laughed. never realized that the three three bass players on that track that's crazy i'm looking that up right now actually let's see leland sklar plays the chorus all the melodic shit justin maldell johnson plays the funk stuff and i ended up playing the bridge just because i just wanted to be in a specific way oh you had a real budget it was a real yeah and we went over by a lot too and they just kind of they were kind of i mean we finished it paul have you done anything like this like like created something where you brought people in or or were you, have you done the opposite where you were one of the people that have come in to be one of the plug and play musicians i've done a, several that have brought in a bunch of players across the board it's one i can think of in particular that jason also did some work with on the open hand record which uh, oh, we don't talk about that we don't have to talk about it that much, but, <laughs> but but that was kind of a similar now I want to. similar thing where there's a, a you know a single creative element, and we you know decided to just get whoever we wanted to play whatever parts. So we had there's numerous drummers and Matt Talbot from Home, he was on it, and it was kind of yeah. There there was lots of different people on the record, but that's one I can think of right now. Well, one of the things that I heard and like i said i don't know tons about steely dan but was that when they would bring people in it wasn't like like jordan said where you're you're getting the surprise they just they knew what they wanted and they got specific people for that right that's what i've heard does anybody have any confirmation of that and and yeah have you seen the documentary about asia no, no. I, I love that album. You got to see, you'll understand the entire process. If you see that documentary, <sighs> they right. basically have, they basically, they pay musicians their day rate scale for whatever eight hours of work or whatever it is. And they'll have a group of dudes come in and that group of dudes will play whatever songs that they think that they should be playing as a group, as a unit. And then, they'll all be done and leave and they'll bring in another group of dudes to come in and play. And then they'll keep whichever versions of what they like. Whoever does the cooler stuff is the one they keep. Oh, wow. And they go through the process and solo out some stuff for you to check out too. So it's really cool. Oh, I'll definitely check that out. That speaking of decadent, that's, that sounds fairly decadent. Yeah. 
and they just pay them their day rate, which is like, you know, pennies. <laughs> Especially for a platter of parts, yeah. basically. Yeah. It's like paying people, you know, whatever, 80 bucks or 90 bucks. On albums that will sell millions. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they got any back end on them. I'm sure they're, if they, there might have been some uh, retro contra, contra, compensation. Compensation. Yeah. I would say. Constipation. Yeah. <laughs> Once they, I, I think that they were like, you know, especially the name guys, they were pay, paying those guys top dollar, I would say. You know, like those guys were probably getting triple scale, I would say. Well, maybe at the time they didn't, they weren't, you know, who was Bernard Purdy before the Purdy Shuffle? Yeah. <laughs> like was michael mcdonald making a good little salary from them yeah yeah they, i think yeah. they were buddies yeah so yeah even then they probably got a deal because they're buddies maybe i don't know <laughs> the budget, I, don't, I don't think anyone was like really talking about money like it was like no now the like assistant assistant engineer would be like just like okay he, he played right. three hours but when you but when you read the liner notes on some of those things and you know, I'm not really a liner notes kind of guy, but when you read the liner notes on some of those songs, like my favorite songs, I never heard a single name on that song. Like wow. who the hell is the guy that played drums on kid Charlemagne? I don't know. He's great, but who the <laughs> hell is he? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Now I got to look that up. Everyone stopped to stare at your technical motor. Every airframe had your number on the wall. You must have had it all. I mean, I'm just, that was, arbitrary. you should read the liner notes. Yeah. Song name. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll know if you read the liner notes, the answer is yeah. there. <laughs> and you know, I mean, go through and look, you, I mean, I didn't, I, Alan Epley would know the names of yeah. these. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I, told, I totally get what you do. I, I totally get it. I was completely the opposite where like, I can remember being like, while reading like foreigner liner liner notes like and there's like seven guys in that fucking band they they had those producer credits on each song that you used to see back in like the 70s album where it's like written by in addition to all the shit where it's like you know look what we did kind of thing names yeah. everywhere but i was right into it and i remember like i'd get to the end of it and be like what have i really pulled from this i don't fucking know who lou graham is why do i care why did i just take that time See, yeah, I was the exact again. I mean, I would read them, but I would always store those nuggets. And then the stuff that I really liked, yeah, I would be looking for whatever that person was on. And that's which yeah. is one reason how I found Blinker the Star, because I was a huge failure fan. And I found that he was on this album with this guy, Jordan. I'm like, what? All right. Well, Ken's on it. I'll, get, I'll definitely give it a shot. So I found I pulled out Bourgeois Kitten and. That was it. I just fell in love with Blinker. So that's one reason why I read liner notes. I did a backwards version of that. Like <laughs> when I found out that Tony, uh, Tony Thompson was the guy from whatever power station or whatever the hell it was. Yes. Every other thing I'd be like, listen to music. And I go, that sounds like Tony Thompson. I'm gonna go look it up. Is it? It was like a game to me. If I could oh, figure yeah. it out. <laughs> this guy sounded like that guy. Or this guy sounded like that guy. 
How did so, you win? I, you know, it, I nothing. bet you got it a lot. I, it's my own little game in my head. Whenever know, you found something you, you liked, got it a lot. Won. I bet you're right a lot. You hear uh, shit like that normal humans don't hear. I've realized. But that made me want to rip people. That's like that's how my brain works. I just rip people off all the time and try and imitate everything. You know, <laughs> I don't think there's I don't think there's an original. I don't I don't think I've done one original thing uh, musically that it's always just trying to rip everybody else off and then not get caught or yeah. maybe do get caught. See if anybody can catch me. Everything I, I gave like, you to play is the same. I did the same thing and all the stuff that you got from me. Well, it's just like, have you seen that clip of uh, of uh, Dave Grohl and and uh, Pharrell or Farrell? What's his name? I think it's Pharrell. Pharrell, yeah. and he's talking about how he rips off the the Gap band on the on Nevermind and rips yeah. off all those punk drummers. Have you yes. seen that? Right. He I was, was like, telling Tony like, Johnson that actually. Yeah. 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 I was like, I saw that clip and was like, yes, that's exactly what we do. So it's all but comes back to Tony Thompson again. Yeah. So all right. So if you guys come into a situation, a, a, a Steely Dan situation where you're the the hired musician coming into play, are you assuming that they're hiring you for your sound or do you often just get direction? This is what I want to, this is what I want, you know, do it exactly this way. Or are you, have you found it more often where it's Jordan's point of view where they want you to come in and add your own style to what they're doing. And uh, Jason, we'll keep going with you. All right. Um, Which Jason, uh, Jason Gherkin first. I've had, I've had both. In the last three things I've done, I've been with Paul, and one of them was the Vast Robot Armies. And uh, I heard that guy was, was a dick to work with. God, he's so difficult. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> no, he, so he was. He was. He's like, can you sound like this or more like this? But then go do your own thing. But it was mostly, what do you got? Okay, play whatever you feel. So I would play different versions of stuff three or four different times and we record it and Paul would send it off to him and say, which one do you like? And do you want to mold it and change it and shape it? And how do you want it? And then we do versions of that. But the other guys are just like, yeah, I kind of want to just play like this. Like what's your version of this? So it's like right. imitating some other dude. Oh, so you, yeah, you brought up a good point that you're sending this back and forth with the way things have gone particularly since COVID hit, there's a lot more remote recording. So is bringing in remote people, is there an uptick in, in that you think, or is it just kind of where it is now instead of bringing people into the studio, you're just doing it remotely. Jason Thompson, let's, we haven't heard from you in a little bit. No, I think that's a Paul or a Jordan question. Really? All right. Well, I'll, way to I'll shrug I'll, it off. <laughs> Well, they have studio, <laughs> so they would they would be they would be seeing this first. Jordan was saying something. What you say, what were you saying, Jordan? Oh, I was saying uh, I would say that uh, all kinds of that for me these days, remote additions from people. I found a guy just randomly online. And I was looking for guys who could pull off like a jazz solo, and I just found a guy like uh, Brazil or something, and he you know he sent me a wave file, and I paid him, and it was great. Oh, wow. cool. That. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Like, you can work on uh, on a track and do a mix, send it off, get comments on it, re, you know, revisit it, or have musicians send in their tracks that they recorded at home. You know, it's it's 
or that they're, you know, in some high dollar studio, it's all over the place really. And it's, it's awesome, I think, and has opened, opened up a lot of opportunities for everybody. Do you find it easier to do it that way or harder uh, than doing it in person? Cause you know, in person you're getting immediate feedback and, and remotely you've got to wait. There, you know, it's a double edged thing for me. I, I like getting tracks from people to mix and I can spend time working on it, but there's a point in time where I really wish they were in the room to like collaborate and for me to tell them how unhappy I am about something. <laughs> that's, that's really helpful for me. I really they need to be there so I can, I can vent. And meet. <laughs> I'd like to express my displeasure with the things you're doing. Currently. <laughs> it's that's the best part about being in the drummer in the room with Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, <laughs> <laughs> I think You're super diplomatic, buddy. I love it. I love playing with you. <laughs> <laughs> do exactly what you're doing, but not that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that, but like 90% less. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So how often are you have you guys had the experience? if ever of being the live hired hand where you're touring with a band as a hired musician. And I've, I've done a few. Jason's definitely done more than me. I've, I've done a, a few, but definitely not my favorite thing. How is the atmosphere usually? I mean, is it, is it different than being the hired hand in the studio? Uh, is oh, it, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. More I mean, lots playing shows live is, it's apples and oranges to play stuff in the studio in the studio. You know, you don't, you're not really happy. You don't have to put on a show. You're, you're just there to play. So you play, but you have to let your body feel it kind of like live, but not as, I don't know. It's like, it's like practice versus a live show. It's about 60% of a live show. It's way more controlled, but a live setting is the same thing over and over again every day so you get as many chances as you as there are shows to fix your mistakes and hone the product but make new ones lot live you just like you're like kind of on a clock a little bit okay like on and everybody else is on the same clock so you got to kind of get it together we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Is there, so, so the pressure, there's, you know, pressure, it's just a different type of, of pressure, yeah, I mean, well, when you're working with the vast robot armies, it, it's 
just That's, unbelievable. It's like yeah. fathomless pressure. Bottomless, bottomless pressure. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like the weight of worlds pushing down on yeah. you. Uh, yeah. The man, yeah. There's so, man. It's, do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it basically is. It's like, it was okay. really, it was really confusing in the first couple of times when I went in there and I was like, I was like, what am I supposed to do? And Paul's like, just, just be you just go play. I think that's what he wants. And I go, okay. All right. Let's, let's go. All right. I'll go hit some stuff and then we'll send it and see what he says. And then I'd go in there. I was like, I, I like it this way. It's pretty cool. And Paul's like, yeah, that rocks. I go, okay. Send it. Let's see what he said. <laughs> like, just, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Here you go. Yeah. And then I'll, tell, I'll walk you through the end whole result of this process. Then my phone would ding. And then I'd get a message saying, I did a thing. Oh, yeah. And so I'd go, okay, cool. Put my earbuds on. I'd walk the dog, get really high, walk around the neighborhood, listen to it. And the thing was always great. There's only one time the thing was, he did. He said the I did a thing text, but then he said you might want to sit down for this one. That was, oh, the, second, yeah. that was the second line. Out, it was like out, like yeah. left field, man. Like, out of space. And it was the only time in this record. It was the moment, and I kind of was accountable for it because I was like, that was the moment. Where I was like, am I going to wrestle control back, or am I going to let this happen? And everyone I talked to was like, just let it happen because it was, it was very different from what it was. And I was like, oh, was that know. the song that we actually? change the verse and the chorus like swap no, the drum beats no no it was passengers <laughs> it was the it was the, the drum beat and passengers like that is my favorite song on the departure. album it's everybody's favorite song on the album at this point seems is like it? yeah or at least you know all the seven people have heard it like, that's my favorite song <laughs> I mean, oh wait okay so wait I, i'm gonna say in my defense but i don't know if that's the appropriate no thing you don't need to defend anything no no it, to 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 the credit of the situation that happened was the pieces that we got sent i didn't know which parts to play to sometimes oh yeah and I, the I, train would get, you had. I, I give you I shit would get, i would get incomplete songs so it wasn't like i was just like filling in a blank it was like i would just get riffs and go i think this drum beat would sound really cool with this riff but i had no idea what the full intention of the song was because <laughs> i kind of go in if i get i'm kind of autistic so if i go in too married to a, like a a scratch drum track, then that's all I will hear. And then I'll have to play that. And it fucks me up. So okay. I get it. No, I get it. I'm not a, the professional studio full-time drummer, but I mean, I'm, I do other stuff. Good. So Thompson, is that the way you planned it to so send, to send them a, a train wreck and then like, all right, let's see what they can do with this. Cause no, okay. Not exactly. But here's, here's a testament to the, the gentleman in this room that really, volleyed this across the finish line no like in a lot of ways 
I would send stuff and it wasn't like purposely a train wreck, but it might be like if I sent them this fucking painting and say, Hey, do drums to that. Right. Like it, it could be that abstract to a certain degree because some of them didn't have vocals and stuff. And it's all in my head. Like the whole fucking circus is going right. on. I'm like, I yes. know. Like, but I'm dealing with Jason specifically. So it was, it was neat because I knew it was going to happen. And I kept calling it to Paul. I predict it. Like there's one song. It's like, oh, let's do another song. And right around when he sent me the tracks to the other song, I was said to Paul Fart, I'm going to end up just redoing the whole record. Because I had already done like five songs of my own with Jordan. And then by third song, I was just like, yeah, he, he just go do the whole thing. <laughs> Please do the whole thing. And, um, but I mean, thank you. And I'm sorry. No, don't say sorry. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's the thing. Like, it's the thing that helps make it sound like a band. Cause that's the one thing about like, I always kind of wondered about Steely Dan. It's like when you do that concoction and even when you do like, like recording distantly, how do you make it sound like a band? Like some like, or how can you tell it doesn't sound like a band? Cause you'll hear people talk about that. Right. I go, yeah, it's really good. It doesn't sound like a band. Like if it's like, I've heard people say it, but I'm like, I don't know if I can hear that. Can you guys hear that? when it doesn't sound like a band, not in a really obvious destiny's child kind of way. Like I'm not talking about that scale here. Okay. I, I think so. I, yeah. I think, I think a lot of that happens just over, over producing digital music, you know, yeah. like on the grid, fucking faceless, you know, uh, vibeless fucking recordings that are the mechanical you know, sounding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what really makes things not sound like a band to me that are just right. like so on the grid and there's no character and no movement, no liveliness, no push or pull, you know, AI music. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I get it. You want to get the musicians weird motivation. Like, like Jason was doing, I want to sound like this, look at this drum like this painting looks or like a giraffe in heat or you know something bizarre i have no idea what the hell it sounds like but then you've got to come up with it well what's cool like you know jason and i've been doing a lot of recording this way you know for other people and our own stuff and he he'll listen to tracks and then like start thinking about other like songs and his memory and memory banks about what he's inspired by and he'll listen to it and kind of take that approach, you know, integrate that, that approach into whatever track he's working on. And it works really well. I think at least as a starting place. When you're That's in a great starting point and then, and then you come in and you're, you're the captain's chair is a great place to get objectivity. And when you listen to me play it and you get to listen to the other parts, I have a hard time listening to the song while I play. Right. So really? the captain's, yeah, it's like, I have to pay attention to what I'm doing, get that click, right. You got to get the, the kick drum placement, right. You got to get your, your feel and your groove and it's either push or pull. So there's a lot of stuff to pay attention to. And it comes naturally for a lot of people, but a lot of people like I have to pay attention to the, the, the specifics of it. And then you get the, you get done with a take or two of an idea. And then the captain's chair gets to coach you into too much kick, more space, too bouncy, you know, get off the fucking crashes, shit like that. 
Yeah. Copy paste that with that. Let's just just use those <laughs> guidelines. They seem to be consistent. You mentioned something just a few minutes ago about uh, Paul, about how certain things don't sound like a band. When you're the, the hired gun, like let's say in a, in a live situation, does it take a few shows for everybody to gel together since you're not, you know, you haven't been playing this stuff together in the studio and you're not technically the band. Does it take a while to, to gel and make it, make it a live show sound like you're a band? Well, I think it takes time for a band to sound like a band. So it certainly, yeah. it takes, you know, it takes a little while, but you know, some guys are fucking amazing at it. Like, well, Jordan mentioned Justin Meldall Johnson. I got, I had the pleasure of working with him a bunch of years back and I was just blown away at, at his malleable, like he could just do anything and he could, he could, you know, make it work. And it didn't, it didn't sound, he didn't sound like a, like a hired gun, you know? Yeah. So there's definitely guys out there that have got that shit down and can, can bring the vibe. And that's why people pay him a lot of money to do it. So Jordan, when you were putting together uh, a band to go tour August everywhere, how did you do that? Since you did a lot of people coming in and out of the studio, what was your approach to putting a band together in a, the Steely Dan effect in the live situation? Yeah, that was, that, that was the tricky thing. So what we did is I, I had like a core band of me and the drummer and the bass player who were like the band. And then we set up auditions and brought in a keyboard player and a guitar player who both could sing background vocals, which was pretty important because there was a lot of harmonies and background vocals. It was an awesome stuff, but it really was like for the keyboard player to be able to play, you know, piano strings and hit high backing vocals. That was a tall order. And we just found like one dude who could do it. Just, he was just like incredible. And then, and then Pete Thorne was the guitar player. And, and he just came in, had all the album sounds dialed in and just played it. You know, the, the, I was going to be the rhythm guitar player because I was singing in the, in that band. So the, the guitar player, it was up to him to sort of like have all the sort of picky parts and leady parts and stuff all down. And he came in unlike other dudes and he just, every song he had it sort of pre-programmed and it really did sound like that. And you know, so that's how we did it. That being said, I mean, I don't know if it was, it, it would have taken, I think, even like we toured for maybe a year on and off. It wasn't like really heavy touring, but I would say it would even take like another touring cycle for us to really gel a hundred percent. I mean, there were a couple shows that were outstanding, but like, I always felt like, it could still be more like a band, you know, and we'd, we'd already done a whole tour. So my scenario is very weird. Every, every stage is a different vibe and you got to deal with different stuff on the flies. So gel and live is takes a second. Okay. So that, that so sounds like it's, it's tough because you don't know each other that well initially. And if like you're saying every, every venue is, is completely different, gives you its, its own hurdles to overcome. sounds like it could be a disaster. Yeah, totally. Well, I got, I have a, uh, I would skew it as a fan question, I guess. 
So for Paul and Jason, you guys had to have Mario sub in a couple times for you, Mario from Spotlights. Mm-hmm. How, how have those been? Like, I know there's not a lot of turnaround time. Fucking amazing. I mean, that that was a, the perfect yeah. example, kind of like Jordan's talking about. Dude comes, did his homework, comes in. Unbelievable. And, and you know, he's got game. And he... It took him three hours to get to warm up. Yeah, I mean, and it's, Which you know, it, it's crazy shoes to fill. Josh is, you know, he's, uh, he does very much his own thing. And I don't oh, know yeah. a lot of people that do what Josh does, but Mario did a great job of, of coming in and, and doing a reasonable facsimile. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had some amazing shows with Mario that felt That's cool. when I was on stage, even though I know it wasn't the same because it was Mario and not Josh, but I, they're still great. So, and the three of us have been together long enough. It was a decent foundation for him to walk into. Well, so. And a big, and a big part of that was we spent, we spent some time just fucking rocking tightening tighten the screws as a three. Yeah, as a three. So we, we got really tight and you know, granted you could, as long as he wasn't playing terrible, wrong notes and forgetting shit, you know, making some weird noises and and (laughs) getting weird from time to time that's all he really needed to do and he did far beyond that so well he's Uh been on the podcast and he and he brought that whole experience up and said it was amazing he was just completely blown away that you guys wanted him and uh he was completely absolutely thrilled that he was able to do it with you no and mario is like the most he's so easy and he's super talented, too, yeah. super smart, super sweet. All he's he's great. So nothing but good things for Mario. So if you guys can I, had can I plug, yeah, 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 plug. Sisters is going out in March. They're going out. Amari and Blackmore's band. Is oh, you're, playing, you're are you playing drums on that shit? Cool. Are you? Yeah, it's gonna be cool. Oh, that was giving me my next question. That's fucking rad. Have you guys had? The opposite experience of what we're talking about, where things just didn't gel and it was a complete disaster. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of go around. Jordan, have, have you had a, a situation where it just fell apart? No, because I, I basically, you know, I'm more on the Steely Dan side. I, I don't really tour all that often. And when I do, I have a, I have like a group of guys in Toronto. And actually, I have another group of guys locally as well. And so when I want to do shows, these guys, I've played with them enough over the years that, um, it doesn't really take all that long to put something together if I want to do shows. But again, that only happens like once every four or five years. So, so far, uh, no shit shows. I'll leave that to the other guys. All right. So (laughs) it does happen, happen, but that's what the auditioning process is for. Good point. Good point. I could, I could easily have been one of those shit shows, <laughs> but I didn't get those gigs. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, what about you? Have you had anything fall apart? I, I haven't done that much like hired gun, like bass playing. My, anytime I'm hired is usually as an engineer. So, um, okay. That's um, fair. Yeah. Thompson. But, Nobody's hired me to do shit. <laughs> have you hired anybody to do shit yeah everybody, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> name it i need another google panel over here nice um not everybody no everyone's been super generous with their time um but you know like john and joe they've been mainstays since like the second record so 
Yeah. Um, and then we kind of work together. Like it, it, like it's still there's band foundations there within this band. So, but it's like with what we just did, it colored it in a way that I don't think anyone really could have seen coming. So I look at it as like, there's a core core kind of idea and then just fuck it, see what happens. Let's go. Like by the end, that's literally there's a lot of fuck it. See what happens. Let's go. And then maybe if, if I had Thank two you. cents, I'd be like, here's some two cents. And even then in my typical Canadian way, I'd be like, here's some two cents. You don't have to use the two cents, but there's two cents over there. So I know we know Jordan kind of uses the steely Dan approach for some of his studio stuff. Are, are you guys aware of other bands that kind of use that approach? I tried thinking of some just before we started recording this. And I, I had a hard time thinking of maybe a, a current version of steely Dan. Do you guys have any experience with anybody like that or anybody to, to check out besides blinker, the star, obviously on a rock scale. Sure. No, I live under a rock, man. I'm in Kansas City. Rock scale. I love those guys. I love the demo. Rock scale. Yeah. Right, them. I don't. I don't know how I forgot them. You're right. Rock. <laughs> rock. Rock scale. Put that down. Yeah. Rock scale. All right. I'm writing it down right now. Yeah. Just throw it into the. Maybe. Maybe it's true. So happy. I was just gonna say. I, I don't know how many people are like using that luxurious process so much. Yeah. But um, I, I do hear a lot of like Steely Dan in certain strains of modern music. There's this one song by a band called Mild High Club. And they have a song called um, Me, Myself and Dollar High. And it like really plays out like sort of a modern Steely Dan song. Well, that's uh, cool. Yeah, you should check it out. It's pretty cool. I think I mixed those guys once at the record bar here in KC. There was a band. If so, if you guys like the sound of Steely Dan, I had a band on a couple of years ago. They just put out a new album and kind of broke up immediately after. But it's really cool. It's a band called Solid Bronze. I've heard of that. Yeah, and they've got a very Steely Dan sound, and I like them a lot. Their their first album, I think, it's called Fruit Basket. It was really cool. And their second album is called Mount Fuji. It just came out, and it it's it's a lot better. And unfortunately, I, the band is on indefinite hiatus right now. But it's, it was basically the same kind of approach where it's two guys. And they had they brought in guys like Michael Hampton and some other people to uh, to play. And they would put a, a group together and play local shows. But the guys in the band weren't necessarily the guys on the album. So, so that's one to check out. Solid Bronze. Solid right. Bronze. Yeah. So I, I want to find out what you guys are up to now. We are at, let's say, the 48-minute uh, mark here on the podcast. So it's gone by super quick. But I want to find out what you guys are up to, what projects you're working on, Steely, Dan Effect, or otherwise. So let's start off, Paul, let's start off with what you're up to. Um, I've got like a bunch of stuff all going on at the same time. Several records I've been working on, including the new Shiner record, which is still demos, but we're about nine songs deep, I think. And we're going to get together in what I think the first week of October to come up with two or three more and figure out exactly what the next step is, but super excited about it. Definitely a new, new, uh, new territory oh, cool. for us. So, 
I think uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, I just did a record for an artist named Maria Ramos. She's a singer from Brazil, and she is collaborating with some Kansas City musicians that are like they do. It's a honky tonk group, and and it's a so it's a ranchera honky tonk collaboration so that record we've got we have like 30 different players on the record and you know oh wow say that spell that marea uh m-i-r-e-y-a i think ramos okay anyway it's it's taken up a lot of my time and uh, very excited about the results so um yeah bunch of bunch of stuff so that's all super wild. All right, so staying on the Shiner vein, Mr. Gherkin, what what have you got coming up? Um, I don't really do a whole lot. Every once in a while, I play with a cover band in Kansas City with a bunch of weird nerd jazz dudes, and our playlists consist of songs that nobody likes. So I don't know why anybody comes to see this. I would. <laughs> I want to go uh, see that show now. Uh, the band is called Men like of Men, yeah. and it is. Uh, it is. I don't know. They have two other drummers and the two other drummers are very good. One of his, one is my favorite uh, drummer in Kansas city. Who is I don't I can't even describe how good he is, but uh, when I play it, it is a drunken shit show and I love it. Um, but as far as studio stuff goes, uh, Paul had one of his clients, Chris Toll, the amazing Chris Toll uh, invite me to do some songs on his uh, upcoming record. And I, re- I had, a really, really good time playing that stuff. People don't ask me to play basic stanky seventies English funk shit. They don't ask me to play like the guess who or bad company or simple. Dummy well, that's that's a good exa- it's a good example of your, like what you were saying earlier, like where people want you to be you or you be this. Or yeah. Not. I don't yeah. get invited to do stuff like that very often. And, and this was really, really fun. And like, he just said, play something cool and tasty like this. And I was like, really? That's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go. Nice. It was great. Um, and then, uh, what else? Anything else? I mean, what's Mike's, what's, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, you're Mike Allmeyer record. You're, yeah. You're Mike Allmeyer. Allmeyer. And that's more like a, like alternative rock, like kind of straight drumming. And I don't get asked to play that either. And it was fun too. That's not really my forte, but it was a good time. I'm happy I got invited to it. And I hope we get to do some more of it. But Mike Allmeyer, uh, oh. when do we get to hear? When do we get to hear that, Paul? No, I don't know. Okay, fine. <laughs> I said fine. It's an ongoing project. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jordan. I know you're working on some stuff. What have you got going on? Um, well, I just got through a summer of mostly mixing stuff and, um, things are sort of clearing up a bit now. So I'm, I'm going to put put my energy for the next five or six weeks into finishing this Blink of the Star record, which is basically like turning out to be sort of like a, a gothy Steely Dan record, basically. So (laughs) cool. Man. I have, yeah. So I, I basically what I've been doing the last couple records is each album I seem to find like 
a new band kind of, you know, and this band just sort of like fell into place, like in the last couple months. And, um, um, it's basically just like my buddy, Paul Demore and his wife, Gildan, who is in a band called fig that I mix as well. Anyway, those two have been like just adding some really cool flavors that I never, ever would have, you know, thought of. And it's really sort of, you know, once I got a couple songs locked in with that vibe, I was like, okay, now I can kind of write a few more in this vibe because it's really kind of an attractive new kind of, I don't know, feel or style or mix of styles or, or something for me. So that's what I'll be doing for the next couple of weeks. It's a brave new world for Blink of the Star. Mm-hmm. Love it. All right. Jason. What's that? What'd you, what'd, you, what'd you call it? Goth? Steely Dan. Steely Dan. Because I'm farming Dan. all these parts, you know, like I'm farming out these lead guitar parts and, um, and like, 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 Gildan does these like great, like almost like Susie and the Banshee's kind of back and vocals. So it's really taking on a full flavor. Fun. That, I yeah. can't wait to hear this. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Gosh. Mr. Thompson, when I know you've got some Vast Robot Army stuff in the works. What's going on with you guys? New record. New record coming out on October 6th. That's my uh, wedding song. anniversary. Is it? Yes, it Happy is. anniversary. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. the present. You're welcome. Yeah, and uh, first single's coming out on Friday. And so, so that would be... This has been going on for a long, long time. So, like, I've been, like, it's a long time. And uh, <laughs> I'm happy to get it out there. I'm curious. I am, too. Good things take time. They do take time. So, These which song is do. the first single? Uh, like a Bug. Like a bug. Okay. called it when I he was like it's the morning go to work song that's what he called that once to me I like it what? who said yeah, that you did what I call this shit you were like it's like you know happy get up and go to work morning song oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. does that sound about right is that, yeah is that word cloud kind of work for you yeah yeah <laughs> I'll have to make it's sure I happy, put that one on your happy wake up song <laughs> yeah that was it <laughs> yeah get the fuck up here we go yeah <laughs> love that I love those there's a whole fun text era going on during that period of time it was, it was coming from everybody like, you know yeah. I gotta say some of my favorite times working on that shit was both sending you videos of the board mix with the audio from the video <laughs> and talking to you while you watch your dogs all stoned. Uh, yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. I like playing the drums too, but those are, those are the, the other things that I remember the most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are the good times. Well, yeah. So that's what's going on. Awesome. We'll look out for all that stuff. I really do appreciate all of you guys spending like about an hour with me talking about something that is always 
fascinated me in the, in, in the very strange, to me, it seems like a very strange approach to music. Maybe not being a musician, perhaps that's why, but you shed some light on me. I'm going to check out that documentary because you got it. Asia's my yeah. favorite Sealy Dan album. So I've got to check yeah. that out. It's really fun. It's enlightening. Like you'll go, Oh, Oh, can I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. I really do appreciate this. I was really had no idea exactly how this was going to go because I started writing and researching and then I'm like, God, I don't even know what to ask at this point because Steely Dan is such a strange band and it's an alien way to approach things for me. So I'm not even really sure what questions to ask. So I put Jason on the spot a little bit, Thompson there, and, and I'm like, hey, Maybe you can help me steer this ship a bit. <laughs> yeah, I get I get a fucking message about forty five minutes ago, and like my whole background's blowing up with like, we're not ready for school. This what's for this thing crashing here? Dogs need to be walked. And Mark's like, hey, you want to host? I'm just looking at my phone, thinking, fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like hovering over, going, can I just type fuck no? Will he get it? Is that too much? <laughs> and I did the old passive, I uh, guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, your notes, okay. And then I immediately was like, walk the dogs. And here we go. You, you added a note. I added three notes because I went on the ranks. I couldn't believe that they're making all these decisions as 21 year olds. I was super bitter. I'm like, fuck you, man. I'm going to write for ABC records at 21. <laughs> oh, I'm going to stop touring at 23. I'm tired. You. <laughs> uh, so, like, the Beatles were like what late 20s when they pulled that shit which is fine they did you know they did their time they they did tour a little bit before they retired that being said it probably sucked touring back then well, I think touring kind of sucks in a certain way but yeah, yeah. you're right I mean, I but it was right. probably a lot shittier back then oh yeah, yeah that's a good point planes would have sucked just PAs venues Lack of air conditioning, hotel rooms, no internet. What they? Uh, uh, never mind. You'd have to pack and bring your pornography like to places. Yeah, you, you I did possibly. that. I did that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> Last love week. You. <laughs> oh, that's right. Remember in uh, what was we going called? through that mountain in Italy. Yeah, and they found your pornography and your herpy drugs. Yeah, they did. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was and they had machine guns and they were not happy with it. Yeah, they pulled us over and they found like, my fucking stash. They're like, what's this? I go, that's lysine. It's for herpes. They're like, okay, what's this? I'm like, that's this other shit. It's for herpes. <laughs> so they went through everything. They're like, what's this? I go, herpes, guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's my herpes bag. They're they like wearing machine guns, all cracking up, and I'm like, "What? Let's go!" <laughs> I have places to be. <laughs> and we were in, we were like in in the middle of a mountain, you know, tumbling yeah. somewhere. It was great. Yeah. Oh, well, scary. That this took an interesting turn at the end there. So I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 